I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast. Every Mum the Podcast was created for one reason, to get honest about parenthood, about the realities, the joys, the surprises and the fears, the moments that form us and the ones we don't hear people talk enough about, which is why we are so proud to partner with Water Wipes as our sponsor for this season, as they share this mission with us and are such an essential brand for every mum. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes containing just two ingredients, 99.9% water and just a drop of fruit extract, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and also the proud winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. During the early days as a parent, everything is uncertain, but choosing the right wipes shouldn't be a worry. With no artificial fragrance, soap, silicones or colours, Water wipes are suitable for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. Together, we are committed to providing more reassurance for parents with trusted products and this podcast, helping us to all take those important steps towards greater confidence while building a community of support for every mum. On this episode, I'm joined by Renee von Medding, who used reciprocal IVF with her wife Audrey to bring their two daughters into the world and is now campaigning for equal legal rights for all parents in Ireland regardless of sex, sexuality, or choices of fertility treatment. Every mum's journey into motherhood is completely unique, but equally special, valid, and needs to be recognised and protected. Ireland as a nation has gone on a massive journey towards equality and recognising love and family and individual rights of all sorts. But right now, as Renee Van Medding is here to share with us, not every mum is being recognised or protected by our laws. Renee, thank you for joining us today with the most gorgeous little baby, Aria, <laughs> who uh, you may hear along the podcast uh, joining Don't be alarmed in. if you hear little she's, squeaks. <laughs> she's absolutely divine. You're here to tell us about your very unique story into motherhood um, as a same-sex couple, as somebody who's used IVF, and as somebody who now, because of the style of IVF you've used, aren't entirely protected by our laws in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, we, my wife and I have two girls, a two-year-old and Aria here who's four months and um, we did reciprocal IVF which means we used my wife's eggs and I carried the pregnancies. Um, which is a lovely way of, yeah. of joining that union together, like as yeah. two women coming into yeah. this. It's such a fantastic way of you both kind of sharing you know, so one is carrying, but yeah. one is the genes. Yeah, and, and that's and that's a, a name for it as well, is shared motherhood, is what yeah. it's called a lot of the time. I can see um, how that's so yeah. appealing, because yeah. it means both are so invested and yeah. involved and yeah. connected yeah. to this little yeah. human. Yeah, um, and we always knew that's what the, the, the way we wanted to do it. Um, before we started looking into IVF, we didn't, um, we didn't know it was a thing, I, yeah. I suppose. We that just, we just kind of thought oh wouldn't that be cool if we could use your eggs and I could be pregnant and is it a complicated process no not at all it's very simple it's basically just a standard IVF but it's split between two women so instead of one woman doing the egg collection and the embryo transfer one one of the women does the egg collection and then the other woman does the um the womb preparation and the embryo transfer so it's, it's not something that is available in Ireland. No. And it's not that it's illegal here. It's just not legislated for here. So the clinics aren't allowed to do it. So when we originally went to a clinic here, they said, look, we would love to do it for you. It's very easy, but there's no legislation. So we're not allowed. Okay. And they advised us to either go to Europe, somewhere like Spain, Portugal, or to the UK. So that's what we did. 
Um, we researched it and we ended up going to Barcelona uh, for the first time in 2015. Um, and it took two tries. I had Ava and she was born in 2016. Um, and then for the most recent IVF cycle, we, we had to start again from scratch and we ended up going to a different clinic in Portugal for the second time. Um, and we were really lucky. It worked on the first go and then we had area. Because I'd say there's a lot of um, there's a lot of anticipation. There's a lot of anxiety around that. There's a lot of, I hope my eggs work. I hope yeah. your womb takes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like how do you how do you cope with that level of pressure when you're, you know, there's there's a level of pressure that's on any parent when they're deciding as a couple, okay, let's do this. Yeah. Even through the the more you know natural means of man and mm. woman. I can only imagine that the level of pressure when it's two women kind of really, really needing each of their bodies uniquely to yeah. work. Um, it's IVF, I think, for anyone in any situation is a really uh, difficult process physically, emotionally, financially, yeah. in every way. Um, the, the strain it puts on your relationship, the strain it puts on your own kind of self-worth. Um, it's a really difficult process. So I think we just really had to stick together as a, as a team, which is... <laughs> Oh, hello. hello. Um, which is what what we what we always do in our relationship is just if there's <laughs> if there's sorry, I will just move Not this one around and see if she's happier this way. Let's see. There we go. Okay. Um, if there's ever you know a difficult thing that we're going through, we always just you know stick together as a team. Yeah. And. Um, but I'd imagine it's wearing when you have to fight so hard to get what is just instinctively something yeah. that you yeah. so want and yeah. desire as yeah. women. Yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, I guess we, we we always knew that if we wanted to have kids this way, we would have to go through IVF, you know, and that was just the way it was going to be. Um, so I guess we were we were prepared for it in that way. And we were lucky that we didn't have that many failures. We had a few. Mm. Um, I had an early miscarriage the first time and then we had Even a couple to say of that word failure and it's not, I know I know yeah it's um, so funny that we still associated yeah, with that word yeah yeah I guess it didn't work you yeah. know it didn't work a couple yeah. of times and um you know which is which is really disappointing but we were lucky that we didn't have to do it again and again and again which yes. is what happens to so many people and were you conscious at the time of making those decisions and going through that process of the limitations in Ireland in terms of recognizing you both as legal parents? Um, on the first time, when we did it the first time, we had no idea. We were totally naive to it. We assumed that because we were married, that once we had kids, we would both be... You were a family unit. A family unit, and we'd be recognized as any other family. So tell us more about what actually is recognized in Ireland. So at the moment, if you are a same-sex couple with children... The person, now I'm talking about female couples, uh, the female who gives birth to the child is considered the birth parent and the other parent has zero rights whatsoever. Zero rights. Zero. Regardless uh, of marriage. So you would have the same amount of rights to my children as my wife does. And the, she is the genetic egg donor. Yes. Well, she's, she's the genetic parent. She's not even an egg donor. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, she's... which again is... She, she just is their genetic parent because we used her egg. So it, it's the exact same as if I was married to a man and we used his sperm to conceive. 
I used my spouse's genetic material to conceive our children. It's the exact same. It's just her gender that is different. And as we know, Ireland is going through this massive transformation of inclusivity Mm. and equality and really like genuinely celebrating how far we've come in the last, you know, 20 years. It's fantastic to see. And that is being led by people who want to make social and legal change. Mm -hmm. And there is an opportunity coming up whereby parents who have conceived through various means are being recognised by the state. But your situation and the situation of many others aren't being included in that legislation. Yeah, so in 2015, some legislation was passed that would hopefully allow for some same-sex couples to both be recognised as uh, both as parents. Um, However, the way they drafted the legislation is very narrow and it's only going to apply to female couples who have used an Irish fertility clinic to conceive with an identifiable sperm donor. So only females? Yes. So no same sex between men? Male couples are totally excluded from the conversation. Okay, so we're narrowing it down. To just women. To just women. Yeah, just women. And has to be an Irish clinic, so you can't have gone abroad. Which, but the Irish clinics don't do reciprocal IVF. Yeah, so we had to go abroad to do reciprocal IVF. And um, so the only option is to do an IVF or an IUI cycle with your own eggs with an identifiable donor. So and if what you is identifiable donor. So yeah, it's kind of, one. it's a bit complicated. Um, well, it's not really. So an, an anonymous donor means that they're totally anonymous um, and you have no option to find out who they are. So there's no record of them. No, as far as I know, in, in some countries, um, the clinic might have a record of them, but they would not be allowed to Um, disclose that information to you. Um, An identifiable donor means that they're anonymous to you, but at the age of 18, any children conceived as a result of fertility treatment can access that information if they wish to do so. So you don't know who they are, but the children can access that information if they wish to. Okay. And then a known donor is someone that you know. Okay. So somebody who, through a conversation, through a friendship. Exactly, yeah. And which is, a lot of people use known donors and use friends or, you know, people they've met who wish to donate. Um, So known donors are excluded. Anonymous donors are excluded. The only only type of donors that are allowed are identifiable. And that's to protect the child. Yes. So that they have a right to find out their genes. And do you know what? In a way, I absolutely understand that. But that's not always practical in every situation. Mm. Um, there's a lot of children who have been conceived in the past and there was no option of anything else. At one point in Ireland, the only type of donors you could get were anonymous. So there's plenty of children who were conceived through anonymous donors and that's all that was available. And so were their parents recognised? No. No. Okay. And they won't be. So there is, um, there is like... Um, an option for some retrospective recognition once once this legislation comes in, which will allow a loophole, so to speak, for some children already conceived. So I think it will allow for some children who've been conceived in a clinic abroad to be recognised. And we we might have been able to avail of that, except for the fact that we did reciprocal IVF. Because we did reciprocal IVF, they effectively are looking at Audrey as an egg donor 
even though she's not, she's my wife and we used her genetic material. But because they look at her as an egg donor, you aren't allowed to know who your donor is under the new legislation. So the bizarre thing is if we had used a totally random donor and Audrey had no biological connection to them, I had no biological connection to them, then we'd both be able to be recognized as parents. But because she's actually their biological Mm. mother, she won't be able to be recognized. It seems like somebody just hasn't fully read it properly. Absolutely. And they have no excuse because I have been emailing and phoning and, you know, there's no way they they don't know that this loophole exists, that they just have chosen to not consider it, I suppose. And and I, I really do welcome the fact that there is movements towards recognizing and adding rights for parents of yeah. all different kinds but yeah. why limit it to such yeah. a narrow selection of people going through this it just it doesn't make any sense to me um i think if if you're going to give equality you need to give it to everybody it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make sense to be giving it to a select few people so what does it mean though on a practical day-to-day level so we understand now that you are that your wife is not the recognized parent yeah but because obviously you're you're together as a team, you're together as a couple, you're together in this marriage, you operate your lives as though it's just one family. Yeah. There are things that it does impact when it comes to her legal rights yeah. towards your children. So yeah. what are the like day-to-day implications of this problem? Basically, if you think of anything that you do as a parent that you're legally allowed to do, whether that's sign a, a you know, a permission slip for for school, sign um you know, opening a bank account, um, so getting vaccinations. Day-to-day admin, as when you're... Yeah, you're medical, saying, financial, legal. I'm making the, this decision on behalf of my child because yeah. I'm the legal yeah. guardian yeah. Yeah. or parent. Yeah. Um, I have to make all of those decisions. Audrey is not allowed to sign anything. If she does, it's not legally valid. Does it impact Audrey? Does, does she feel... Oh, absolutely. Like 100%. How, what's her experience of you um, know, motherhood like it, now? Like it definitely impacts both of us because I feel guilty that I am the only one recognised. legally as yeah, more Yeah, which entitled. is not right. I'm not more entitled. Yeah. We're equal parents. We, abs- we 100% like more so than if we had just kind of gotten pregnant the normal way, I suppose. We have put so much into this. We've invested so much into having our beautiful kids. And yet I'm the only one who's seen as their parent. I could just up and leave with them if I wanted. And that's not, that's not okay. Um, So I feel guilty in a way and I feel bad and I want her to have the recognition and I want our kids to have two equal parents. And then she feels, you, you know, just... She just feels helpless, I suppose, because we've been doing all we can to try and get the recognition. And yet it seems like no one is no one is listening to us, you know. And I think that in most instances, when a new baby is born, the the woman who has given birth, there is there is that closer bond. And I think the other partner can feel a bit. Yeah. like dejected from the whole yeah. experience and a bit yeah. kind of redundant. Yeah. And I, I definitely know coming from my own personal experience yeah. that, you know, especially as I breastfed, yeah. there's a, there's a, well, what am I here to do? <laughs> yeah. And there can, there can be, you know, you need to really build kind of securities on both sides of the fence yeah. around. Yeah. We are both playing mm-hmm. a really important role in this. Yeah. 
And I'm listening to your story and I'm assuming like how, like for Audrey, that must have played so much even heavier again because she's here kind of fighting to just be legally recognised. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you say, it's it's hard enough kind of navigating the new world of being a parent and finding your roles within that yeah. family unit that you've built. Um, so it's difficult enough without having this on I top of it. You. Um, it shouldn't be something that a new parent has to consider. You, you know, when you've brought a child into the world, you should be protected and respected. And that's the last thing that should be on your mind. You know, putting legal, you know, <laughs> wills in place. Yeah. In worst case scenario. Where, thinking yeah, you should Exactly. Yeah. You shouldn't be having to, to think about that. Um, and it's, I guess it's just something that has been hanging over our heads from day one. Um, right from the moment we had to register the birth of Ava and the lady in the registry office said, who's the mother? And we said, uh-huh. we both are. And she said, who gave birth? And I said, I did. And she said, well, for the rest of today, I'm just going to be speaking to you. And from then on, she didn't speak to Audrey. It's It, it seems so cruel. It, it is, seems yeah. so... Like, nar- like, not narrow-minded, because I know that, that she's just doing her job. She, Absolutely. she must fill in this form, which is a legal document, yeah. so she must speak to the people that she has been designated yeah. as the yeah. authoritative voice yeah. on that. Yeah. But for such an experience, which is about, like, it's, it's a lovely moment when you go and you register your baby's it name. It should be. It should be, yeah. But for us, they were two of the most um, heartbreaking days of my life, were those two days. Because it's the moment where actually, on paper... I had to sign a piece of paper saying that I was a single parent. That you were a single parent? Well, effectively, effectively that I was a single parent because on a birth cert, there is one parent on the birth cert. Because there's no dad? No. It seems to me that there's just, there's so much more broader thinking that needs to be done Mm -hmm. if we're really to recognise that there is loads of different types of parenting now that exists in Absolutely, and I'm not, you know, and... Um, as you know, I started this petition, um, yeah. you know, calling on Simon Harris to look at the legislation and to either expand on it or if, he need, if they need to draft a whole new piece of legislation, that's fine. But to look at it and to include all family types. And I'm not just talking about my family type with reciprocal IVF. I'm talking about all family types because there are so many. And I've had so many emails from, from people who have used surrogates abroad. Yeah. And... Um, who are in really awful situations as well because the mother um, who didn't give birth is really never going to have a way to be recognized as a mother um, because the, the surrogate is put down as the birth parent or as the mother. And um, it's a really tricky situation. And it, so this, these, these kind of loopholes, they apply to not just people that are in same-sex relationships. Exactly, yeah. They apply to women who are having their own fertility issues for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah. And we know that in Ireland, you know, women are waiting longer yeah. and, and aren't necessarily staying in relationships yeah. that aren't working for yeah. them just so they can yeah. start families. Mm-hmm. There's empowered women out there who are feeling like, well, if I want to be a mother, I'm going to figure it out my yeah. way. Yeah. But legally, it, they're being unsupported. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, there's also situations where, you know, single fathers and single mothers and, you know, co-parenting where there's more than two parents involved. There's there's lots of 
different family it setups. It looks different now. It really does. Grandparents raising, yeah. raising, you know, or aunts and uncles raising children. And there just needs to be better protection and, you know, better understanding of all of these family types. What are you going to explain to your little girls? Have you thought about... Well, my hope is up? that, you know, with the situation we're in, my hope is that we won't have to yeah. explain it to them because it will be fixed before they understand. Um, but it would absolutely kill me if I had to turn around to Ava and explain to her why she calls me mama and she calls Audrey mom or mom mm-hmm. <laughs> And it would kill me to try and explain to her that my mom isn't recognized as her parent or my mom's not allowed to sign this piece of paper for you or our family is different to you know your other friend's family Mm. and the thing is she has other little friends who who have two moms as well who will be covered by the legislation and for her to be treated differently to her other little pals that's not that's not okay just because of where she was conceived and how she was conceived. And your greatest fear of all of this, I mean, yes, it's the signing of legal documents, but your greatest fear is... Is that something would happen to me and we don't know what situation Audrey would be in then. Um, would she be, Would she get the kids? Would one of my family members be next in line, so to speak? Mm. We just don't really know because it's such a, a grey area. But you've put you've put it in each other's wills yeah. to make sure yeah. to pr- add that protection. But the thing is, a will can be contested. Yeah. A will is not set in stone. And as a family of, as a same-sex family, regardless of the legislation issues, as mm. you said, bringing up two little girls in Ireland now, do you feel a sense of support and inclusivity around your type of family unit? For the most part, yes. For the most part, um, you know, we still get a lot of ignorance and um, kind of curiosity, I suppose, mm. and people asking us questions that they would never ask a heterosexual couple. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that a lot is of a, just... Like more in a more kind of intimate personal level of like... Oh, absolutely. Like They just feel like they... Can, what, they can where does that come from? You know, people feel like they can. And, you know, I suppose we, and me especially with my like writing and blogging, I'm very open about how we conceived the kids and going, you know, I, I wrote about our fertility treatment, but random people feel like they can ask you about your donor. That's okay. You know what I mean? Um, people just, I guess, feel entitled to ask you more intimate details than if we weren't two women in a relationship, even going back to before we started treatment, you know, really offensive come, you know, people would ask, oh, would you not just go out and get drunk and save yourself the money? You know, like, in Where? what world is that okay to say to someone? You is know, it, and is, is, Do you think people are trying to be flippant, but try and make you think, oh, I'm, I'm, th- this is me being really cool about it? I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think a lot of it, like, a lot of what we have kind of experienced, I think, is more just lack of education around it and lack of, um, you know... Um, you know, people just haven't been around it, so they just kind of don't know how to be. And, yeah, because yeah, it's not visible enough. Yeah. You know, people, yeah. you, you may be the first same-sex couple of parents yeah. or of, ch- of children that yeah. they've ever met. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. 
they're trying to, you know, connect with you. Yeah. And but you're saying that maybe there's some boundaries that people are crossing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, for the most part, we have felt fairly um, accepted by our communities, not necessarily by our government, yeah. but by our communities. Um, you know, and I think, I think there's also a double standard there. I think that we definitely are more accepted than a male couple would be. Which because is you're presumed to be kind of maternal, maternal and yeah. softer and warmer and more yeah. caring. Yeah. So I think that we have a much easier time than a same sex male couple would have for sure. As we know, like women transitioning into motherhood, there's such a need for a strong community of support and to to link in with people like of, of like minded people that are just on your side and are only telling you positive things about the decisions that you're making. Is there is there and I'm, I'm asking for women listening that may be in same sex relationships and feeling kind of isolated. Is there any sort of kind of groups or things that you know, they can get involved in that means that they're connecting with people going through these similar challenges. Yeah, well, I think that has been um, one of the biggest advantages to social media for me in the past couple of years. Um, there's lots of pros and cons to it, but the, one of the biggest pros is connecting with other parents in the same situation um, and being able to share our experience with with other people who might be kind of just embarking on their fertility journey or parenting journey. Um, I'd imagine it's an incredibly intimidating mountain to climb when you're thinking, how are we going to do this? Like you desperately want it, but how are you going to do it? How are you going to be accepted? How are you going to navigate all of these things that you just don't understand yet? Yeah. And when we started in 2015, we had no one, literally not one other couple, not one other, um, person who had been through the same thing we couldn't find any information on reciprocal IVF so we were just shooting in the dark back in 2015 which is why I started writing about it because I didn't want anyone else to go through the same thing when they decided they wanted to do the same thing that we were doing and to go and google it and get nothing (laughs) there just was no information there was no information and um when we went to do it again same thing nothing which is when I started writing about it yeah. because I was like, this is crazy. It's, um, you know, it's 2018 and there's still, there's still no information about reciprocal IVF. Um, so now if you, if you Google reciprocal IVF Ireland, <laughs> I pretty, fi- I find myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's fine. At least there's something, you know, there's something for other people to look at because, um, it's really scary when, when there's no information because there's so much to think about. Um, there's so much to think about at a normal... A normal IVF, normal kind of in IVF. your own country, but having to go abroad and to try and navigate like a, d- a different culture and medical facilities and accommodation and flights and can you bring medication and where do you get medication and where do you get your blood tests done and where do you get scans done and how do you time it? And the only information... We kind of got, you can, you know, you can ask your clinic and that's where having a really good open line of communication with your clinic is really important. Um, And we didn't necessarily have that with our first clinic that we went to in Spain, which is one of the reasons we moved. Um, You know, because language can be a massive barrier. um, And 
the the other yeah so going back to the social media we we joined a couple of groups on mainly on facebook and um and mostly couples in the states and in australia and canada um and that has just been a wealth of information um questions like that you could ask and you'd have people you know who've been through it um because mothers and fathers in in any other type of you know raising kids were filled with questions like there's just a constant need for information a constant need for reassurance and just did this happen to you what do I do and that's down to just even is this latch right how do they sleep how do you do this when do you do that and you're navigating like the normal path that any other mother is going to figure out when it comes to actually birthing and raising a child but also how do I also do this IVF process how do I do this legal process and how do I keep our relationship ticking over alongside so that we make sure that we're we stay the glue yeah yeah so it is I think it's really important to kind of um check in with other people who've been through the same thing um so there is a a group in Ireland well there's a couple of them just um I think it's just called LGBT uh parents Leinster or parents Ireland and that was a group that I only became aware of after Ava was born and it was just like a lifeboat you know I have met so many families in Ireland and um you know Ava has made so many friends and it's just become a normal part of our life to have other couples that are the same as us you know I think that's um, what's so that's that's the magic it's the normalizing yeah you know, normalizing it and making sure that your girls are around people and other families yeah. that look and like you both or that they just don't feel like they're the only, they're, one. They're the only yeah. ones. Yeah, I think it's just really important to to find, find your tribe, find your tribe. Yeah. And to me, that looks like all sorts of different families. It's not, you know, we don't surround ourselves with just one one type of yeah. people. Um, it's just really important to expose yourself and to, yeah, as you say, normalize all different types of families, all different types of ways of parenting. Um, there's no one way to do it and there's no one way to have a family. You know? Absolutely not. And I think that it, it's so fantastic to see that social media has given you an outlet to show and like you know, your, your content is so gloriously happy. Like you're a beautiful, beautiful, happy family. Um, and you do talk a lot about the situations that you find yourselves in and, and fighting for that change. But I think what's so brilliant is that people who don't know anybody in your position are getting to see the reality of your family unit and actually how normal it is. And, and that it just looks like their own family, except like that we're two women. Two women, yeah. two gorgeous, happy girls, and just loving your children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is your greatest hope from fighting for this change and from just, I suppose, sharing your situation with families in Ireland? My hope is that no one else ever has to go through what we've gone through and that it becomes an automatic right that if you choose to have children that you're recognized as a parent. Um, so that it changes and it changes soon and we're not waiting for another five years, another 10 years. Um, it needs to happen now. 
you know, we can't wait for this. Our children are too important. They need to be protected. So I just, I hope that it, um, that it changes soon and that we can kind of look back on this time and think, wow, isn't that crazy that at some point in time that Audrey wasn't recognized as a parent? That's mad. Wasn't you know? that bizarre? Yeah. Well, things will only change if women like you continue to fight for what you believe is right. And I really hope that, you know, people will listen, those in power will just take a step back and just look at what they're doing and say, okay, is this right for, for everybody? And is this really equal? Thank you so much for sharing your story with every mum the podcast today and thank you so much for bringing the gorgeous <laughs> little Aria who has been such a dote she's fallen asleep fast now asleep. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I wish you every success thank you so much thank you thank you for listening to Every Mum the podcast if you enjoyed today's episode please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe you can join us on everymum.ie and follow Every Mum on Instagram Facebook and Twitter this series is kindly supported by water wipes. Water wipes are an essential for every mum from that first nappy change and during those messy weaning months. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and are proud sponsors of Every Mum, the podcast.